Welcome to the Anglican Church of the Good Shepherd, Pelham, Alabama podcast. Martha, Martha, Jesus said to her, you are anxious and troubled about many things. Sound familiar? Ever felt that way? But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, Jesus said, which will not be taken away from her. Martha, who Luke had already told us was distracted with much serving. Certainly in and of itself, not a bad thing at all, right? That's We're still in Luke chapter 10. It was just at the beginning of Luke chapter 10, same chapter, that Jesus sent out the 72 and gave them instructions. Whatever house receives you, go in, take what they feed you, This is how the program works. When Jesus or his disciples come to town, somebody welcomes them into their house and feeds them. So, Martha's doing good work. Interestingly, similar to those who went, well, 2,000 years approximately before her, Abraham and Sarah and at least one servant, we heard read this morning about how when three men showed up there at the Oaks of Mamre, <coughs> Abraham really hustled to get them taken care of, didn't he? He appeals to them to let him do so. Then he runs to Sarah, doesn't even say a complete sentence. Three C is a fine flower, he says. It's urgent. It's important to take care of these travelers. Now, somewhere along the way, it becomes increasingly clear that these aren't just three travelers, but somehow this is the Lord. This is Yahweh visiting the patriarch, reaffirming and making clearer his promise to bring about a child through his wife, Sarah. Of course, there's a response to that word. And to be fair to Sarah, who, as we know, laughed at the very idea that her old womb could bear a child. To be fair, Abraham had laughed at the same promise, I think about a chapter ago. Uh, It's laughable. Old, not just old, very old people having a child. But of course, what does the traveler, now the Lord, say? Is anything too hard for the Lord? And of course, we, we know. We know the right answer. With God, all things are possible, right? Easy to say, but still. Sometimes the promises of God can seem laughable. Our psalm today kind of goes in a different direction. Lord, who shall dwell in your tabernacle, or sojourn in your tent, Who shall rest upon your holy hill? Whoever leads an uncorrupt life. Well, stop right there. (laughs) Laughable all over again. Which one of us leads an uncorrupt life? Does that which is right? Some of the time, sure. But from the first entry there, whoever leads an uncorrupt life. Interesting that there are ten. Ten qualifications for who may dwell in the tabernacle here in this psalm. It's sort of like a, an alternative Ten Commandments, if you will. 
And it's a real gut check, a real heart check for anyone who would approach the tabernacle and undoubtedly could only serve as a reminder to such a worshiper of their sin. That in and of themselves, they are not worthy that confession is appropriate, that dependence on, well, we're no longer 2,000 years before our, our New Testament passages. Now we're more like a 1,000. But approaching God depends upon, well, in the case of the one who worships at the tabernacle or later the temple, the provision of God himself, right? The sacrificial system, the right sacrifices, atonement being made. Because apart from God, once again, his promises can seem impossible. Now, flash forward an additional thousand years to New Testament times. At this point, we go slightly out of chronological order if we go to Colossians, but so be it. And we're right in the thick of the same theme. Because now Paul is addressing Gentiles who would not have participated in a tabernacle, who would not have had a solution to this problem of how in the world is somebody supposed to approach God who has not, what was it, led an uncorrupt life. And what an answer it is. You, you Gentiles, you to whom I'm writing in Colossia and so many, again, Colossae and so many more like you, who were once alienated and hostile in mind doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in the body of his flesh by his death. Jesus, the Messiah, the Christ, come in flesh for sin, and not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world, right? In order to present you, to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him, before God, This translation doesn't have quite the same words as, as our updated Psalter translates Hebrew, and of course then ESV translates the Greek. But I think when ESV translates the two of them, there are actually some of the same words. Blameless, I think, appears in both places. So, how does God make the impossible possible in a word in Jesus? With God, all things are possible, and through Jesus Christ, they become possible. The impossible becomes possible. Jesus, in flesh, is this atoning sacrifice for the sin of the whole world, and he's able to present us holy and blameless and above reproach before God, if indeed, and Paul doesn't write that in a context like this as if he thinks we won't. It's provided that you do, and he assumes we will. In fact, he's going to assume a lot more than that, although it's going to take some hard work. It, uh, presuming you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. Because we're saved, verse 23 has it, by our faith, by trusting in what God does for us. Trusting that in God, 
the impossible, the laughable, has happened. Now, Paul, Paul begins to talk about his ministry to the Gentiles, and this is not the only letter in which he then has a little bit more to say about that. That is his thing. He has been appointed as a, 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 an apostle, a minister to the Gentiles, and so he has more to say. Verse 24, Now I rejoice in my suffering for your sake, and in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is the church. Not that Christ's sacrifice on the cross was not perfect and complete, and once for all we say that every Sunday in so many words. But Paul knows that the Messiah has brought about the age of the Messiah, and the Messiah, when he was still in flesh, before he suffered, made it quite clear to his followers, to follow me is to suffer. And we're in that same tradition, we're in that same vein, we're in that same trajectory from now, from the cross, until Christ's coming again is a time of following Jesus by taking up our own cross. There are more afflictions to bear. Paul says, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you, to make the word of God fully known. The mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. By the way, in Paul, a mystery is not something that's hidden, but it's something that was hidden, but has now been revealed. So it's no secret. One moment, we'll hear what it is. To them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles, among the nations, among us, are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you. That's it. That's the mystery. Christ in us. The, the Messiah that the people of Israel were waiting for, the promised seed, promised to Abraham, has come. And He's not just for us, but by the Spirit, He's in us. And this is all of our hope. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone. Well, here's a second presentation. We're already anticipating that the Messiah is going to present us before the Father, holy and blameless and above reproach. But Paul, Paul, he's going to participate in the sufferings. He's also going to participate in the presenting of those to whom he has ministered. And he has plans. He expects to present them mature in Christ. Now that's the word that could be translated perfect. Not that we necessarily expect complete perfection, but we do expect in this life to not simply have been justified and assured of our salvation, but to grow, to grow in our faith. Again, impossible. Some days it seems laughable, but we're talking about with Christ in us. And to make it, to drive it home, that's how Paul says his ministry amongst the Gentiles to the Gentiles works. For this, I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. Now, in this part of Colossians, Paul has been very uh, concerned to present Christ, the Messiah, and his greatness. So he doesn't make it clear that what we're really talking about, I've already said it, is the work of the Holy Spirit. 
manifesting the presence of Christ in us. Whenever the, the energy of God is powerfully at work within us, that's how that works, by the Spirit who has been given to us. So now that takes us to, well, back to, back to Martha and Mary, and of course Jesus. Paul, who has been toiling, struggling, but with Christ at work in him. Of course, we read about so many years prior, Abraham and, and Sarah and a servant hustling to be hospitable. In that case, they were presenting food and hospitality to, well, turned out to be the Lord. Paul is planning on presenting not a meal to the Lord, not hospitality, but the people of Colossae, the people to whom he's writing. And now, you really get it down on a, on a smaller scale, a scale that is really easier for us to imagine. It's hard to relate to the patriarch receiving the promise. It, it, it's hard for us to relate to what it takes to be able to go to the tabernacle or the temple, maybe. Certainly hard for us to relate to being the apostle to the Gentiles. But we can relate to welcoming someone into our home, to serving. And that's what Martha did. Jesus entered a village. A woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary. If you want to read more about them, go to John's Gospel, where you can read about them in connection with their brother Lazarus. And Mary sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him, that is to Jesus, and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. See, Martha, in her distraction, it's as if she knows that something's not right, but she can't see clearly what it is. She's unable to arguably do what, what her sister is doing. Her sister is, is living in the moment. She sees what's, in, what, what's before her eyes. Jesus is in my house. Where else am I going to be but sitting at his feet, listening to his words? <coughs> Martha, probably the, the older sister, she seems to really be the one responsible for the house here and in John. She's caught up in the responsibility of the thing, doing a good thing, providing hospitality, providing probably a, a meal and, and the washing of the feet, all of the things that we saw Abraham providing. And the Lord looks at her and says, Martha, Martha. So tenderly, but getting her attention. You are anxious and troubled about many things, the Lord says. And right back to today. We can relate to being anxious and troubled about many things and feeling like, how in the world am I supposed to get my eyes onto what really matters most? What's really going on around me? What you, Lord, would have me to notice and pay attention to? 
But we thought all things are possible. One thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. And we're left such a short reading. We're left, we, we don't know what comes next. What did Martha say or what did Martha do? What did Mary think about all this? Did Mary know? We could ask a, a bazillion questions at the beginning of the story, at the end of the story, in the middle of the story. But listen to the words of Jesus. You are anxious and troubled about many things. Sounds an awful lot like his words. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. How? How, Jesus? Take your, my yoke upon you and learn from me. I am gentle and humble of heart, and you will find rest for your souls. He didn't leave us to do it on our own. Not even that. He doesn't even leave, leave us to come to him on our own. He will teach us. He will guide us. We're welcome at his feet. So I think the question we have to be asking ourselves all the time is, in what way am I anxious and troubled about many things to the point that I can't see what's going on in my life? I'm at church, but I'm not even sure what the reading just was. I, Jesus was at the table, but I'm, I guess I went up there and came back. I often feel like that. I don't know if you do. It just feels like we're just going through life an awful lot of the time, bogged down in, in being anxious and troubled about many things. One thing is necessary. Sit at his feet. Hear his word. You know, we all only ever have the same enemies. Three of them by one way of counting it, the world, the flesh, and the devil. One can imagine Martha is distracted with this serving because she's got what the world tells her is the right way to host people in her home. Simply doing enough so that everybody is fed and has a place to sit and and then, by all means, get in there at Jesus' feet. No. She, she's got in her mind the expectation upon her as the hostess, the expectation upon her as the one who has welcomed someone into the house. The expectation has got her anxious and troubled. How can we let go of the expectations that we have in our minds because of what those around us in the world Say, in the world is not just the world out there. It's all the things in this world that, that get into our head that we take for granted that we don't really have to listen to. It could be things that we, we do in here in this room. Lord, may we be freed from such things that are not the one thing necessary when they get in the way of it. The flesh, her response does seem like it's coming from her own flesh. Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me alone to serve? She's got two accusations, one for the Lord. She calls him the Lord, but do you not care? She seems to think he does not. 
And my sister, she has left me alone to serve, an accusation for her too, and she wants both of them to do something about it. You, tell her to help me. <laughs> now, I think there's a time and a place for being upset with what somebody else is doing and having a good idea what they ought to do and even taking some steps to do something about that. But on the other hand, we need to be careful when we're uncomfortable about what's going on around us and our first reaction is to start blaming everybody but me. Expect a change from everybody but me. Odds are we're at least partially blinded because we're anxious and troubled about many things. So watch out for those red flags. The world, the flesh, it's all about me. That's the flesh. That's just those base urges and passions, right? The world didn't have to tell us how to be that way. The sin is in us. And the devil. And of course the devil, well, he works all sorts of ways through the world, through the flesh, in, in a word, through lies. He's the father of lies. And so we've got to ask ourselves in our own Martha moments, what's the lie I'm believing? Why am I so bogged down in this? I'm believing something that's not true. Because Jesus said, if you're weary and heavy laden, come to me and I will give you rest. And that's not happening. Something is getting in the way. And the answers are, are many. They're, they're varied and they're going to be different for each one of us and each time. But we've got to get back to the Lord. To the Lord Jesus. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Jesus has come in the flesh for our sin. He sent from the Father the Spirit to empower us to walk in newness of life, to mature in our faith, to be ever approaching perfection from now until Jesus comes again. And yet so often we're anxious and troubled and distracted and we can't see what God's doing, what God has for us, what God offers to us, what God is saying to us, what God is giving to us. We're anxious and troubled about things in our own lives. We're anxious and troubled about things on a, a, a country scale, on a global scale. No doubt about that. That is, that is these times in a nutshell. You know, in that connection, I guess I'll go with ESV on this psalm because that's what I've got up here. In that connection, let's hear one more psalm. Because when we're anxious and troubled and it seems like everything's impossible and there's nothing we can do and we're trapped, God's got this. Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, by His grace, I'll add, we will not fear though the earth gives way. Though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. 
she shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, do they not? The kingdoms totter. He utters His voice. The earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how He has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. And we know what He says to us. In such a context, where all that craziness is going on, where we're anxious and troubled, and the nations are raging and the kingdoms are tottering, be still. And know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. And finally, one more time. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Let's pray. Oh God, we do confess to you that we are so often anxious and troubled about many things. But you, as our colleague today said, you declare your almighty power chiefly in showing mercy and pity. So help us run to obtain your promises. Help us to walk by faith in you with whom all things are possible. Faith in what you have done through your Son to make the possible, make the impossible not only possible, but happen for us. Thank you for sending your Spirit to put the impossible made possible into effect in our midst, in our lives, in our hearts, in our minds. Turn our hearts, turn our eyes to what you are doing in us through your Son, by your Spirit, And give us the assurance with this song that we need only be still. You are God. You will be exalted. Your Son will come again with great glory. He who has already been exalted to your right hand. And we will join him in glory. How do we know this? As your apostle said, our hope of glory is just that Christ Jesus in us by his Spirit. So give to us your peace, which is beyond our understanding, to guard our hearts and minds in the knowledge and love 
of our Savior Jesus. From now until that day. Amen. Thank you again for joining us on the Anglican Church of the Good Shepherd, Pelham, Alabama podcast. We hope that you'd visit us in person. We have Sunday worship uh, every Sunday at 1030 in the morning. And you can visit us on our website at www.goodshepherdacna.com or visit us on Facebook at Good Shepherd ACNA. Also, if you enjoy the podcast, please like, subscribe, and rate the podcast. It not only makes us feel better, but more importantly, it helps those who are searching for Anglican podcasts find podcasts like this one and other ones that are out there on the web. Thank you. God bless. And have a good one. The Lord be with you and with thy spirit. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up unto the Lord. Let us give thanks unto our Lord God. It is meet and right so to do.